Be strong in the Lord and of good courage. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. That's from Joshua in the first chapter, verses 7 and 9, and that's what we've been talking about, I think, for the last three or four weeks. We should be finishing up pretty soon in Joshua and back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, which says, Be strong in the Lord and his almighty power. And like I said before, and I will say again, and why should we be strong? Why should we be of good courage? Well, the book of Ephesians chapter 6 gives us that answer. He says, we wrestle not. And uh, most of you will agree with me that the Christian life is a time of wrestling. Seems like we wrestle with our problems, we wrestle with ourselves and our temptations. And sometimes it seems like it's overwhelming. But God has given us encouragement. He's given us strength. We have to put these principles into practice because he's laid it in our lap and that's where we get the blessings from, being obedient to him. And that's one of the reasons how we become strong in the Lord. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Listen to this list, I repeat, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's quite a battle. And God has equipped us to do this. But like Paul says, you and I, we have to take the stand. We have to put on the whole armor of God. And I've been repeating this throughout my messages that the Bible clearly says that the battle is in the spiritual realm. It's not your neighbor across your yard. It's not the government, wicked as at times it seems to be. It's not people. It's not flesh and blood as Ephesians chapter 6 says. But it's in the spiritual realm, and we're going to see in a, in a minute why that is. It's not so much a physical battle. The only physical battle probably comes from our own selfish desires, our own sin nature, our own carnal nature, as the scriptures refer it to. But as with Joshua, his was a primarily going to be a physical battle and not, I'm not negating the fact that behind that was that seed war I talked about was a spiritual battle and the forces of darkness were behind that still a physical battle because Satan uses the world to accomplish his deceptions he has the world in his grasp and Maybe the world needs a definition here. It means when the Bible talks about love not the world or the things that are in the world, it talks about a world system 
the world's way of doing things apart or contradictory to the Word of God. So that's what it means when it says, love not the world. Not the same as when in John 3, 16, where it says, for God so love the world. That's the human beings in the world. Totally different than what uh, we're commanded to do in 1 John, loving not the world. So the, the battle is spiritual. It's behind the scenes and what, like it or not, like I said, we are in that war. We are in that battle. And we must remain making our stand against the enemy. This whole series of the messages is how to stand, how not to fall to the forces of the dark world. We must look at others as we speak to others and as we talk to our neighbors, we talk to our friends, we must see the spiritual element behind what they say and what they do. The Bible tells us to love our enemies, doesn't it? And our enemies, as we look at our people in the world, but not really. It's the spiritual forces behind them that are at work. Like I said, Satan uses the world to accomplish his deceptions. His main deception is to keep you and I and the world in a state of fear. Now, as I said earlier, the greatest command in the Bible over 200 times is telling us not to fear, don't be afraid. And that's what God had said to Joshua three separate times. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Be strong and of a good courage. So Satan's tactic, and as we get into Satan's tactics, which we're going to talk about in length when I come to that section, is to keep us, even Christians, in a state of fear. It, his goal is to cause chaos upon this earth. I'd like to read to you something, uh, a quote from John MacArthur's book, and it's a quote by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. You may have heard of him. He was a called the Prince of Preachers back in a different era, back in the early 1890s, 1880s. Listen to what he says. He says, The Church of Christ is continually represented under the figure of an army. Go on. Yet its captain is the Prince of Peace. That's Jesus Christ. Its object is the establishment. Listen to what I'm going to say. It is of peace, not chaos or fear or confusion. And its soldiers, soldiers, which are you and I, if you're believers in Christ, and its soldiers are men of peaceful disposition. The spirit of war is at the extremely opposite point to the spirit of the gospel. I know for a fact what war is like, and it's something that you do not want, want to participate in. And I'll make another comment about that when I finish this quote. Quote, Charles Spurgeon. Yet, nevertheless, the church on earth has, and until the second advent, must be the church militant, the church armed, the church warring, the church conquering. And 
And he asks, how is this? It is in the very order of things, so it must be. Truth could not be truth in this world if we're not a warring thing. And we should at once suspect that if it not true, if error were friends with it, the spotless purity of truth must always be at war with the blackness of heresy and lies. God tells us over and over again not to fear over 200 times. And why should the believer fear, not fear? Well, first of all, he has the Son, Jesus Christ, in his life and living within him. Scripture very clearly teaches that. He has the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, to help him live above and conquer those fears. And he has salvation. He has a home in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. So why should he even fear death? Because he'll go to be with the Lord. Do you know that you are immortal until God is through with you? That no one can take your life until God is completely through with you. That should give us confidence and a little uh, sense of security. And this is what we're going to talk about today. The little sense of security that God is with us. And maybe I shouldn't say a little sense, a lot of sense of that security. A lot of talk about conspiracy today. Even unbelievers are talking about conspiracy and we hard, it's hard to delineate what's true and what's not true anymore. And some of this, the stuff that's spoken up today as truth is way out there in left field. I even recognize that. And those can be in Christian circles too, not just non-Christian circles. You know, we're in a truth war today, and it's important that we have the truth because if we don't have the truth, it really creates fear. Not to know what's going on, to not to know what's the truth. Every Christian should know and love the truth. Listen to what Paul said of those who are perishing in this world. That's, and if you just want to jot, jot this reference down, you don't have to turn there. But jot down 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10. Quote, 2 Thessalonians 2.10, They did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. I'll repeat that. They, as the unbelievers, did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. See, every, every person I believe knows it in his heart that he sinned. I mean, there's not probably one honest person that would ever say I have not sinned in my life. So that's the truth. <laughs> That's the truth of the Word of God, and the Bible says you need forgiveness of that sin. Even if you only sinned once, which I doubt very seriously, probably just sinned more than once. You need forgiveness. And this is the good news of the gospel. Christ came to save the lost. He came to save sinners. 
you don't believe it, believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead the Bible talked about that as the truth you cannot be saved you are not a Christian you can't be a Christian and deny certain fundamental beliefs of the, the scriptures Jesus often said that the wor words he speaks are truth and life John 14 6 I am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the Father but through me so I ask the question do you want to be free from Satan's grip on you and the, his grip on the world. A significant passage to help us out is John 8, 31 and 32, which says, you might want to make a note of that. John 8, 31 and 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, he says, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. Are we as believers continuing in the word of God? Remember, I emphasize this over and over. Without being in the word of God, you are defenseless against error. You are defenseless against the onslaughts of the spiritual realm. And you will be deceived and you will be tricked. I just noticed uh, people who claim to be Christians just a few days ago. If they haven't spent time in their Bible in the last six months, as you can see as evidence in their life that they're drifting away, they're regressing back to their old way of life. This is important of why the scriptures are written. If we continue in God's word, then you are my disciples indeed. And listen to the next phrase. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I'm going to emphasize that. We're continually in the Word of God being Christ's disciples. We're going to know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. That's John 8, 31, 32, and verse 36. You shall be free indeed. You will know the truth. Want to be able to discern truth from error, especially in the doctrines of the church? You must abide in Christ and have him abide in you. You must abide in his word as Jesus taught. The Jews that Jesus was, Jesus was talking to here that I just quoted from were the religious leaders of his time. He tried to come back with an argument that they were free because of their lineage of being Abraham's descendants. Now, <laughs> how many times have you heard this argument? Well, I, my parents were of this certain church, and so that makes me a, a believer. Or I'm Lutheran, I'm Baptist, I'm Methodist, I'm Catholic. So thinking that that makes you a believer, that makes you a Christian. Jesus just argues against that. Because he says, 
If they were of their father Abraham, they would understand the truth of Jesus Christ as being the true Messiah and the Savior. But now listen to how Jesus answers them. But now, Jesus said, you seek to kill me because I told you the truth. How does that smack of a thing called cancel culture? I mean, it's not to the point that they want to kill Christians yet. But if you try to speak the truth in Jesus' name, it seems like they want to cancel you out. Exactly what the Pharisees wanted to do with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus says, I told you the truth. That's verse 40 in John 8. Here's the reason for their unbelief. Now listen very carefully here at his next uh, two verses, verse 43 and verse 44. And if you're marking it down, again, it's John chapter 8. John 8, 43, 44. Jesus said, Why do you not understand my speech? You cannot hear my words, verse 44. And here's the reason they couldn't hear the words. You are of your father, the devil. The lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there was no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. That's very, very striking. It just shows you that the spiritual realm is the key people from the truth and believer in Christ he can do that if through the Holy Spirit you're not every day being in, in the Word of God which is the sword of the Spirit and here was the response by the Jews when Jesus said that they, they accused him of being demon-possessed and nuts he was crazy. How many times have you heard when we talk about spiritual things, to those who are perishing, it's foolishness to them. That's what Paul said in, in the book of Corinthians. So what's happening today and what's happening even back in Jesus' times is basically the same arguments, the same thing. I remember going to a graduation and the commencement speaker was a senior student and here's the types of things that she said about turn my stomach i wanted to jump up and scream not true not true she says in ending she says be true to yourself your own truth that is within you how ridiculous and my truth and your truth may be conflicting but yet it's still both the truth you can't have a truth and a lie that works together what if my truth says something like uh, well it's okay for me to take your car well if that philosophy is true 
That's the truth within myself. I want to live according to that. You see how utterly, utterly ridiculous those type of statements are. But yet that's the way our culture is going today. In fact, they're not going, they've already arrived. Truth resides within you. And I heard that just last night from a gentleman that I was witnessing to. He's going to all these different churches and see what, what uh, church fits his truth. And I explained to him, truth is not within you, especially where it concerns your soul. Truth is in Jesus Christ. And I quoted in John 14, 6. And this is the greatest conspiracy today. It's the greatest conspiracy today. Is it Satan wants to keep you from the truth, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, that's how he's going to keep you from the truth, is telling you that you can get into heaven some other way. It is said in 2 Corinthians 4, and this is another very important verse, using the sword of the Spirit again, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them who are lost, and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto him unto them this is the great conspiracy L uh, listeners satan wants to keep you from god's glorious gospel of salvation and freedom and truth he wants to cause chaos now i believe that we should be the words of our environment to recycle i believe in doing all that in pure water i'm a i'm a fisherman i love nature i love the woods I believe they should be clean. But as I look out and I see on the news, NBC News, every night is, oh, the earth is burning up. The weather is destroying the earth. And it creates a state of chaos and a state of fear. And God is not the author of fear. My Bible tells me that there will always be winter. There will always be summer. There will always be planting of crops. And the earth will be here until God is through with it, and that's all the way back after the millennial kingdom. And we're not even there yet. So this is where I believe in the promises of God. The Bible is reliable. I'm not going to fear the climate. Don't get mixed up into all this. Uh, and let that be your main goal. And you spend all your time in, on the climate change instead of in your time in the Word of God, knowing the truth. So that's the great conspiracy, Satan's lies causing chaos, fear, and all that go with it. And all believers, Satan desires and works on you to keep you of the, out of that promised land like Joshua was going into. That promised land of peace, rest, and fulfillment. It's not talking about the promised land of heaven of that satisfaction and that enjoyment he wants to rob you of that he can't keep you out of heaven he knows that but boy he can keep you from enjoying the journey so this is why joshua chapter one is pertinent today it is not so much as um, being a christian but it is as a christian who believes and practices the truth of god's word be a truther 
but be it founded and grounded in the Bible. Truth will triumph in the end. This is what it says in Revelation 19, verse 11. And I'll end my podcast with this because we're running over time. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful. And because we're going to talk about Faithful uh, next Sunday. He's called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he does judge, and listen to the next, and make war. Thank you for listening. Uh, We'll see you uh, next Sunday.